Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to the rundown here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. I think I've got my engineering set up now. Let's welcome to the program from the fifth quarter postgame show on News Radio 560 WVOC. I don't know whether I should call you Batman or Robin. It's Justin Hall. Justin, what's up, brother? Oh, I don't really care to be called the boy wonder but i mean no tim i'm just Frisbee i'm just well like called robin either well that's what i'm saying you want to go you want to go toe-to-toe with tim frisbee that's on you brother i i, I do not he i don't think he, he might be listening but he might be busy in the state house so if he's not listening right now i'll go ahead and be batman until i see him then he can be batman well, i'm gonna talk bad things about you on saturday when we're all over there working together as a, as a no, team that's, that's by the way fine. as a team by the yeah. way and my thing, why can't I be? The, I, I have. I mean, I've been doing that show forever. Why is it that I can't be like the third man? I want to be the third wheel on the post game show. What's up with well, that? Why not? Yeah, we need. To, we need to get with Christopher Thompson on that. Yeah, we I'm sure we. I'm, I'm sure we can give you a title. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll take third wheel. I will also <laughs> answer to. Uh, I don't know. I'll, you can pick out several things. I'll answer to all of it. But either way, it's great to have you on the show with us here today. Several things I want to get into with you before we uh, get to the start of football season. The big thing today, though, is uh, Will Muschamp's press conference. The first thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, with his knowledge of what Mac Brown is going to do, do you think that's an advantage for the Gamecocks? Do you think he may kind of have an inkling on, hey, coach sets up stuff this way and that's kind of the way they're going to do it? Well, I, you know, I think that's always a, a plus. Um, but in the same breath, Matt Brown probably knows a lot of what Will Muschamp's going to do as well. So um, I think it also helps that Phil Longo is the offensive coordinator at North Carolina. He was at Ole Miss last season, so certainly this Gamecock defense was a little bit of exposed against Ole Miss that day down in Oxford. Uh, but they know what to expect a little bit from a from a Phil Longo offense. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. There's there's a lot of gamesmanship between Mac and Will. I think it's going to take place. It already has at least from the two press conferences I've seen these last two days. So that's an advantage for Will, but in the same breath, I think it's also an advantage for Mac knowing Will and having taught Will probably a good bit of what he knows. So in addition to that, we've got the um, the issues that uh, that came out today on the tight end spot. Evan Henson has, has stepped away from the program, and Evan is going to, according to what I read by the state newspaper, he's going to go somewhere else and play basketball. That is just... Uh, different and and, I, and not to not to knock uh, what the young man is doing. I, I it's on two fronts though. I'm sure that Frank Martin would love to have him on the basketball team, but it kind of makes you wonder if he would have focused just on basketball, how good he would have been. Yeah, you know, and watching him play the game of basketball, I mean, I mean he he leaves a little bit to be desired in the bas- on the basketball court. Um, if he would have devoted his full time to basketball, I think he'd have been a pretty good player for Carolina, and unfortunately. When you're splitting time between football and basketball, one's going to get more of your attention, and I think it's hard with basketball. I've read some some things, too, about some health issues that he had that were really going to hamper his ability to play the game of football. So it is a loss. 
but it's one that I think South Carolina can absorb a little bit, especially with the emergence of Kyle Markway in year number two of being a solid tight end, as well as moving Chandler Farrell to that position to block. Uh, I think I think South Carolina's going to be okay. I hope that rumors of the tight end position's demise are a bit overblown as we had the Saturday. You know, speaking of, and not not to dwell too much on uh, on on Evan Henson here, but do you think the era of the two sport athlete is pretty much dead? And and I mean that because if you look back, and it's not I, I use South Carolina as an example because you had Brandon McIlwain, who was a projected first round player in the MLB draft, came to South Carolina, tried to play both sports, didn't really work out well for him. Then you got Evan Henson, and you see stuff across the country. Do you think the era of, of, of the two-sport athlete is gone? It, it very well could be. I mean, you look at certain other players. I mean, Bruce Ellington's a perfect example of a guy who played both, excelled in both, but then realized I have to devote my time one way or the other, and he decided to go full-on football. Um, you look at Kyler Murray at Oklahoma, uh, excelled in both, but eventually had to choose a path. I think and I think early on in the development, and this is something I've actually to- talked to Coach Eric Kimry and, and Jeff Barnes over at Hammond about extensively during these last couple of falls, is it's important for these middle and high school athletes to diversify and play a bunch of different sports. But I think once you get to the college level, you really need to zero in. If you want to make it to the next level, you have to find the sport that you can excel in the most. So I really think at the college level, we're going to see – the end of that two-sport athlete kind of thing. But I think it's important to have that in the high school ranks. You know, I think the only sport that you can do and get away with as far as both in college is track. I think you can run track in the spring and still play football and be fine. You may have to cut some weight if you're a wide receiver or what have you, but I remember Jacoby Ford at Clemson doing doing some great stuff up there. And and there's been South Carolina athletes that have done some stuff, but I think the only really two-sport athletes you're going to have anymore – will be either baseball, football, basketball, or what have you, and then track. Right. I would agree with you on that. Track might be the only one that you could do. Yeah, and that's just because of the timing and the way the sport is. But it's it's interesting, though, because, you, you know, you and I, well, I'm a little bit older than you are, but uh, growing up watching Deion Sanders play both sports and do it fairly well, I mean, I think he excelled more in football than he did at basketball right. but or baseball. But uh, seeing that kind of stuff and kind of seeing it going away is kind of depressing. But anyway. Right, when – yeah, I mean, I heard I heard a conversation on on the national radio show earlier today about Charlie Ward playing football and basketball, so and having to choose. And you know, oh, he I was, believe that Charlie could have been. Yeah, he was really good at Florida State, though. I mean, yeah, at both. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. won the Heisman Trophy and played in the NBA for a long time. Yeah. I mean, he was really good. So, but I, I don't know if kids are really, and it's not just an issue of the kids. I think it's just, it requires so much work and so much on so timing much time. and everything else. It's just silly, but. All right, well, back to Gamecock football, though. Uh, this Saturday, the Gamecocks match up with North Carolina. You know, South Carolina's won six out of the last seven in the series, and it's been kind of one-sided. The overall record overall goes to North Carolina. But North Carolina's definitely in kind of a transition mode. If you were a North Carolina fan, uh, what hopes do you have on Saturday to uh, upset the Gamecocks? Well, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I know... A certain analyst on college game day actually, in no certain terms, picked an upset on Saturday. Um, but I, you know, I think there's always an option. You never know what South Carolina is going to come out with on opening night. I did see a stat that actually South Carolina is 18 and one in their last 19 season openers. Their la- their only loss in that stretch was 2014 against A&M. Um, you know, 
I would, if I had to give a percentage, it's probably around 10 to 15 percent that North Carolina wins. But Sam Howell is a, is a true freshman. Will Muschamp talked about him today, said that South Carolina actually recruited him. So they know how good he is and how much of a gamer he can be. Uh, if he comes out, as certain freshmen have done in years past against the Gamecocks, it kind of lights up a little bit. This game could stay close through the third and fourth quarter, and certainly North Carolina, if, if they can get some buy-in early to Mac Brown's program, especially early in this game, get some belief going, they could be a dangerous team. So South Carolina's got to come out and put their foot on the gas early, both on the offensive side and the defensive line side, if they want to get some things going. I just don't see North Carolina winning this game, though. Yeah, I, I, I think South Carolina's going to win comfortably, but – um, despite instead of turnovers, what else could shoot the Gamecocks in the foot uh, and when they go into this matchup on Saturday? Oh, well, I think the big thing, and I actually wrote about this in the weekly column I do for the Lexington County Chronicle, is one of my big keys to the game is defensive line pressure. South Carolina's got to get a pass rush this season. I, in my opinion, they haven't had a consistent, aggressive pass rush since maybe 2012, 2013, certainly 2012. Um, you know, Javon Kemlaw got a flight because muscle. You'd like to see what Rick Sanders can do in year number two. The return of DJ Wanham. Can they get a consistent pass rush with just four guys? If they can get a pass rush with just four guys, I like their chances because you really want to make sure you cover up what I believe to be a huge uh, discrepancy in talent at the linebacker position and then allow some of your younger guys in the secondary to have a little bit of a cushion. You don't want to trial by fire them early on, but if you can get consistent pressure on the D-line, that allows you to go man-to-man with J.C. Horn and Israel Mukwamu on the outside. So going into this game, though, if you look at the first depth chart of the season for South Carolina, they've got nine freshmen listed. Of those nine freshmen, which ones do you think will have the biggest impact early? I'm looking at at, at, at Jamie Robinson. Jamie Robinson, I'm, I'm looking at him to have a huge game at the nickel position. He's a guy who every time Will Muschamp has spoken to the media or to the public at large, that is a name he has specifically stated each and every single time at the nickel spot. I think he's going to be a big-time player for South Carolina in the defensive secondary. He, he's probably my guy to watch. I mean, if you're talking about freshmen, he's my guy. I'd like to see what maybe if Cam Smith gets into the game, if Shiloh Sanders gets into the game, you know, if they get in there at any point in some rotations, but Robinson specifically, that nickel spot is who I'm looking at. If you look at the way the running backs are listed, they've got a, the the big or word in there. To me, that means all three of them are, are are level. In my opinion, you might see one of the three trot out there first. Is that is that the vibe you get? Yeah, and you know what fans are going to do, and what the media is going to do is we're immediately going to say, "Oh, well, Rico Dowdle gets the start. He obviously beat out Tavian Feaster in camp." And I don't believe that to be necessarily the case. I think you have three running backs. Rico, your proven guy, senior leader, makes sense that he would get the start on his on the first game of the season. Tavian Feaster, spark plug, graduate transfer. You got to get him touches, like you told him you would. That's the the reason he's here. Is you you told him that he would get considerable playing time and be a huge part of your offense. So he's going to play. And, of course, Mon Denson's the bowling ball on third down that can get you those short yardage gains. So you're going to see all three. I think you're going to see all three in different situations. And I'm looking forward to see how um, your new running backs coach, Thomas Brown, operates within that and operates within the Clinton system and how they rotate them in and out. You know, when, when I look at it, though, and I know you, you talked about having the uh, – having. Um... The st- <laughs> my brain's cooked on me. Uh, having Tavian Feaster there, but having Rico Dowdle, you're talking about him being the senior leader there. 
do you really think it's still his his room, basically? Uh, because if you listen to what Coach uh, Muschamp said today, Tavian Feaster's done everything that's been asked of him. Come early, left late, everything. I mean, do you think that, that Dowdle is still kind of the leader as far as the running back room goes? Well, you would like to think so. I mean, I'm not I'm not in the, the long operations really every day, so I'm not sure exactly how they're going about it. I would like to think that Rico has earned that level of respect in the room where he is that Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leader who's been in the program for now going on his fourth season and understands the system and understands what Will and what Brian and, and what Thomas want from him now. If Tavian's come in and, and blown the doors off of this staff and he deserves to start game one, I'm not going to argue with Coach Muschamp or anybody on that because we saw what he can do at Clemson. Simply put, the reason he's not at Clemson anymore is because somebody came in and Etienne and just lit the thing on fire last year and Tavian felt like he was going to get, you know, shuffled down. So if they want to start Tavian Feaster game one, I don't have a problem with that in the slightest. Do you think he's going to be the feature back, though? Because being the starter is one thing. But being the feature back is a completely different animal. I think I think he will be. I, I think the talent he has, I mean, I watch Clemson just as much as I watch Carolina because I think it's important to watch everybody, and especially watching the best team in the country. So um, just watching him last season, he, he just he's just so solid of a running back. And I think if we're looking week four, week five, we'll end up happening in what's at least happened in recent years. What happens to Rico Dowdle? He gets hurt. He gets banged up. And so if you have a guy that you can turn to in Tavian Feaster who has significant experience and who has big-game experience and is a big-game talent, uh, he could end up being the feature back by the time you get to Georgia, Florida, week six and seven. Justin Hall from the Fifth Quarter Post Game Show on News Radio 560 WVOC. A quick pivot to Clemson. Of course, they open up their season on Thursday night against Georgia Tech. You know, the Tigers uh, have, uh, we, we talk about the depth chart at South Carolina with the running backs. Coach Dabo Sweeney's kind of going with a kind of a pack mentality at defensive end. Do you like the way he's going at that uh, this season? Because you hear all the preseason accolades for Xavier Thomas, but they've talked a lot more about Logan Rudolph and, and a lot of the other young men over Xavier Thomas heading into the season. Well, when you have so many jewels in the crown, why not show them all off, right, Rob? I mean, it, it, listen, if you have that much talent, why don't you just use it? And if you're not going to get a significant drop-off from first string to second string, why not? And now, again, if Xavier Thomas is going to exert himself as the next great defensive end to come out of Clemson, then he's going to play a lot. But I think Zabo and his staff have certainly have the, the right, and I, I think the what's the word I'm looking for? The ability to say, hey, listen, we got this freshman or retro freshman or sophomore who hasn't played very much. He's still good, still a five star. So um, I like that approach. I'm perfectly fine with coaches not saying specifically, hey, Xavier Thomas is going to play 55 snaps a game. You know, just let other players get in there and let them show what they can do, especially early on in the season where 
Clemson starts off with a Georgia Tech team. We don't know what they're going to look like. And then week two, they host Texas A&M. So they got two big games to open up the season. Well, do you think that we're going to get to a point where, it, you know, we have a running back by mentality, uh, a running back squad, basically, and that's kind of what most colleges do. You're not going to see a lot of, uh, let's say what Marcus Lattimore did in uh, at South Carolina where he got a ton of carries. You're not going to see a lot of that around the country. Do you think we're getting to the point now with, especially on the offensive and the defensive lines of, yeah, you may get, I don't know, 30 snaps a game, but everybody's getting 30 snaps a game, and that way we can keep certain people fresh throughout the game. Is that kind of the way that you think coaches are going to go? I think you've seen it more and more as we've moved. I mean, it's so different than what it was from, let's just go ahead and say 2010, 2011. Offensive football has changed so much in the last decade that we're going to more tempo, and so you got to keep fresh bodies in there. And you're not just talking about your starting five on your offensive line. You're talking about the first ten guys on your depth chart. How good are they? Where can they play? Are they more of a guard or are they more of a tackle? Where do they fit better? And how many snaps can they endure? Same thing on the defensive line. So I think it's all about keeping fresh bodies, and it's all about making sure while you're keeping fresh bodies that you're pairing them up with somebody to their left or to their right. You're not losing a lot of productivity either. Justin Hall from the fifth quarter post game show, News Radio 560 WVOC. A couple of more quick questions before we get out of here. I haven't talked to you about the Miami and the Florida game. Was Florida that bad, or is Miami a lot better than we thought they were? Both. Can't um, have both. You can't have cheesecake and German chocolate cake. Pick one or the other. Why can't I? Why can't I have both? Listen, listen Florida <laughs> is the most overrated top 10 team I've ever seen. The idea that Felipe Franks, according to the ESPN polls, had a legitimate Heisman opportunity heading into the season is a joke. Um, Florida's defensive line looked great. Miami was starting, like, what, 15 freshmen on the offensive line? I do like Miami's quarterback here in Jim Williams. Yeah. I think he's going to be solid. Um, I think he showed good pocket presence at times. He was getting beaten up all night long. I think Miami's going to come around eventually. I think they'll represent their division against Clemson. They'll be the sacrificial lamb. Um, and I think Florida's going to end up with a record of about 8-4 and four and maybe unranked at the end of the season. All right, so prediction time for the Georgia Tech-Clemson game. Georgia Tech, uh, the opening line is is a 33-and-a-half-point underdog. Do you think the Tigers cover in the season opener? Yes, Tigers cover. We'll go oof, We'll go 52-10. to 10. Oh, goodness, okay. And then South Carolina is uh, currently, I think they're – in some books, they're nine and a half point favorites now, but it started out at seven and a half. Who you got? You got uh, the Gamecocks covering there, or do you think North Carolina will make a game of it late? Well, I saw ten and a half this morning, and that's wow. for anyone who just happens to know those things just for fun, you know. Yeah, um, I'll go Carolina 35-17 in Charlotte. All right, good stuff there from Justin Hall from the fifth quarter post game show on News Radio five sixty WVOC. Justin. Appreciate you uh, joining the program today. I'm going to come over and work with you on Saturday, and uh, I will be the third wheel between uh, Batman and Robin. Maybe I'll just be the Batmobile, and I'll just tote you guys to a good show. Hey, without a third wheel, you can't have a tricycle. I remember, by the way, real quick, if I can just add a quick second. Sure. You were talking about Hammond yesterday on the show. Yeah, I, um, I, I didn't want to I, – I, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, but I didn't want to take too much of your time. Uh, when, when I watched that game, I, I kind of felt – I felt bad for those guys going out there, but uh, yeah, what, what did you want to say about Hammond? Well, I'm up. I, I do PA form. I've done it for two years now, so I've watched Alex Huntley and Jordan Birch mold into these two just 
unbelievable five-star athlete. They were outmanned on Sunday with a wing tee offense, kind of running away from Birch. But I've also I've also seen people on social media who have actually never watched Hammond play football and don't watch them week to week, and they're piling on Huntley and they're piling on Birch and they're piling on these high school athletes, Jackson Muschamp. Listen, if you're if you're an adult, you can't put down a high school athlete who's going out there giving it his all on a hot Sunday afternoon on national television for the first time ever. And, and, and so Hammond's going to be fine. They're going to probably win the Skeeta State Championship again this year. And Jordan Burtz and Alex Huntley are just as good as advertised, and Jackson Muschamp has offers to the legitimate Power 5 schools. So to all the folks who are giving Hammond grief on social media, the, the trolls out there who are hiding behind the keyboard, the fact that you can put down a high school athlete and feel no remorse or no shame of it is a joke. To well, me. I just had to get it off my chest. Well, let, let me ask you this before I let you out of here. I, I'm of the mentality of if you were of drinking age, meaning that you're 21 years old or you have your degree, you're out of you're out of college, whatever. Unless you're related to a person that's in high school, why in the hell are you following them on Twitter anyway? That's my point. Why are you following a high school athlete on Twitter? And then why are you tweeting at them to come to your school? I don't care what fan you are. It's a joke. That's ridiculous. You're putting your hope in a 17-year-old athlete. Get a life. Well, there you go. Leaving with uh, some gusto there. Justin Hall from the Fifth Quarter Postgame Show, News Radio 560 WVOC. He's on Twitter at Justin B. Hall. Justin, looking forward to watching the Braves game tonight, and uh, I will catch you this weekend. Absolutely. Sounds good. I will see you on Saturday, my friend. All right. Thanks, buddy. Justin Hall, of course, with Tim Pops Frisbee, hosting the Fifth Quarter Postgame Show on News Radio 560 WVOC, something that I've worked on for, I don't know, a long time now. Lots and lots of late Saturday nights working, uh, covering the Gamecocks with uh, those two and Christopher Thompson. Appreciate Justin joining us there. And you know what? Justin's right there at the end, man. The whole thing on, if you're following these guys on Twitter, shame on you. If you're following them on Instagram, shame on you. From a journalistic perspective, which I'm not, I understand, hey, you might need to check on some of these guys because of uh, a lot of times they announce their stuff on Twitter. But if you're just John Q. fan, stop following these guys on Twitter. You, you just look silly. You just look silly. And I, I can post stuff up on the uh, on the blog page um, with different examples of, uh, of people being absolutely silly on Twitter and, and just tweeting just awful things at a 17-year-old kid. Step out of the window and think about that for a minute. My, my daughter's 11, and she's moving up into uh, the middle school age and stuff like that. And I would be shocked if six years from now, if let's say that she's some big basketball recruit, which I don't know if she will be or not, but if she were and people are tweeting at her, hey, please come to our school, I'd be, I'd be exercising the block button on my own, man. Leave the kids alone, man. Let them be kids, for goodness sake. If they want to come to your school, they will come to your school. Simple as that. All right, I've got some comments from Coach Will Muschamp from earlier today. We'll play some of those in just a moment. Also, several other little things we'll get into this afternoon here on The Rundown. I mentioned the fifth quarter postgame show. We take your calls from the start. Now, other postgame shows, they want to crowd you with sponsors and all kinds of other stupidity because that's what it is. If you want to be an actual fan, the only place to listen to the postgame show is on News Radio 560 WVOC. You can download the iHeartRadio app, catch it on your phone on the way out. We'll take your calls immediately. 
if if you can fi- uh, put out there exactly how you feel, let everybody know. It's right there at News Radio 560 WVOC, of course, um, uh, 560 AM on the dial. Make sure you go and uh, and listen to the post game show with uh, Tim and Justin, and uh, I will I'll keep you up to date with scoreboard stuff and all kind of good stuff throughout the evening as uh, we get the first game of the season underway. All right, when we come back, we'll have some comments from Coach Will Muschamp and a couple other little things here on the rundown this afternoon. You can always chime in at 803-978-1832. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Rob Soundsgood. Justin is a great follow on Twitter as well, at Justin B. Hall. Justin also does some writing for uh, the Lexington Chronicle and just all over the place, man. He knows his baseball, too. So glad to have him uh, working with us here uh, at... 560 WVOC and always contributing here on the program. More of the rundown when we come back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Rob Sanders here on 560. I say 560. Fox Sports Radio 1400. I'm jacked for football. My brain is scrambled, especially after talking with uh, Justin there. Of course, the host of the fifth quarter postgame show. If you missed any of that, check it out on um, the podcast. It'll be up this afternoon, about 5 o'clock or so. We'll have the podcast up so you can uh, catch all of Justin's comments. Now, I got some comments here from uh, Coach Will Muschamp. Coach Muschamp met with the media today and uh, and talked a little bit uh, about the upcoming game with North Carolina. These are some comments he made, starting with uh, what uh, he expects from uh, Coach Mac Brown, his former mentor, when uh, they both were at Texas. You know, he'll have his team well prepared. His staff will do a great job, and, uh, and, and we need to play well on Saturday. Will, Feaster seems like a very business-like guy. How have you seen him handle his business and adapt to your program since he's been here? I think exactly what you just said. He's handled things in a first-class manner, uh, comes to everything early, works his butt off, does everything that's asked of him. I've been overly pleased with, with Tavian and, and his work ethic and his buy-in and, and everything that he's done for our program. And, you know, uh, you, know you research these things and you kind of talk to people and you, and you say, hey, man, this guy's a good guy. He's a good program guy. And Because uh, it's always tough when you want to bring a senior into, a, into a, a good locker room, which we've got a good locker room, and he's been a great teammate. Uh, with the carry-in, you mentioned he, he will play Saturday. Do you have a sense of where he'll play? Well, you coming? Yes, sir. All right, good. And you'll find out Saturday. And, and one, other, one other question. When you're looking back at kind of the film of uh, a staff that's new, 
How, how, how far back do you go? Are you looking at a lot of Sam Houston uh, for Phil, a lot of Ball State, and I guess Elon for Jay? Well, Jay was at, at West Point for a while. You know, he had some years there. So, I mean, that, that's a lot of, you know, film, obviously, from West Point. And then, um, you know, preparing for Ole Miss last year, we, we spent a lot of time studying Sam Houston. So we keep our notes and, and kind of compare and go back. And obviously, when you have a time a lot of time before a game, you do spend a lot of time going back and just in making sure you're, you're, you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's on, on all your information. Well, what makes the difference, do you think, with teams being able to win a week one game in terms of, you know, obviously you have to make adjustments on the fly sometimes more often than maybe some other games, but what, what in your experience from the teams that you've coached on, what's the difference with those teams that are able to win week one? You know, I don't know. I think that you know, week one's a lot like a bowl game. It's the first time for you know, we haven't done as much live tackling as you normally do back in the back when we were playing. Um, so from that standpoint, tackling's always a, a concern for you. Communication issues, self-inflicted wounds, uh, uh, substitution issues, uh, delay of game, having to burn timeouts in the first half or the second half, and you don't have them at the end of the halves. So, you know, when you when you talk in terms of of those situations, communication. We've we've worked with crowd noise. We've tried to simulate game day as much as you can. You can't until it happens but you know i think an experienced team helps uh, guys that have that have played a lot that have been in in that uh, situation having great communicators at the quarterback position on the offensive line at the linebacker position the safety position for us just for our football team to have great communicators to get some young players and we'll have some young players on the team uh, on the field on saturday to get them lined up to calm them down i think th those things are really important so i think a little bit of a experience standpoint uh to eliminate a lot of the self-inflicted you know issues you create for yourself in an opening game in a bowl game situation is in special teams I mean, you, you, you don't have, we've had some live looks. We have nothing what's going to happen on Saturday as far as a live punt going down the field and covering and been distributing our lanes the right way, uh, blocking on the return, making good decisions. And, again, there's going to be some young players out there. So they've got to make really good decisions, and it's a lot different when they do it in front of you know Bank of America Stadium as opposed to doing it right here at the practice field at South Carolina. That's a huge difference. So, uh, you know, again, the, the young players making good decisions in those situations. <laughs> well, yeah, I, th I would if I knew who we were going to go with so we could make it a controlled environment, not invite you or fans. And I think it would be a heck of a deal. But y'all wouldn't want that, so we wouldn't do it. But, you know, you come out of a scrimmage, and then how are you going to approach the scrimmage? We would approach the scrimmage to improve our football team and get better and to work individual and to work team situations and to work one minute and work all kind of things. Then you're going to get somebody out there that's going to go win, want to win the scrimmage. And then you got a problem, and your fan base goes nuts when you don't score 48 points, and you don't shut anybody out, and you got a problem. And of course, you guys are going to write wonderful articles about what happened. So then you got to deal with all that. So that's the that's the the flip side of it. If it, honestly, if it was a private setting, I'd love to do it. And you know the coaching staff, and you'd be able to go and get, in my opinion, a lot of work done with it. Absolutely. Well, uh, obviously, you've got Mac this week, Nick in a couple weeks. You play Kirby every year, now Jimbo every year. Does it take time to to get used to the idea that, hey, you know, these are guys I might be fond of and I'm going to be facing them at this level of football year after year? Um, it's, it's gotten an old hat, to be honest with you now, to this point. I've got great respect for all those men and uh, I certainly wish them very well all but one Saturday uh, that we play them. And that's just that's just part of it. And uh, I don't like facing people I've worked with or, or friends with. They don't, you don't like doing it, but that's part of what we got to do. 
Coach Will Muschamp this afternoon, his first uh, game week press conference of the season. And uh, his team is set up. South Carolina, seven and a half point favorite over North Carolina. Gamecocks have won six out of the last seven in the series. Um, I think South Carolina will cover that seven and a half. I just don't think that uh, they have the. Um, I don't think North Carolina has enough right now to hang with what uh, Will Muschamp has down at South Carolina. Just and even in Coach Brown's language, he said uh, in his own words. By the way, he said that they are very short at linebacker and short in the secondary and a couple other spots in the defense that was coming off last year where they they got kind of hammered throughout the season. But uh, let's head out to the phones. Comments on that game with uh, South Carolina and North Carolina. Good afternoon. Welcome into the rundown. Hey, Rob. I uh, missed the uh, comments by Will Muschamp. Um, the game, I thought, was kind of – if anybody was getting points, I thought it would be North Carolina by three because I considered that a home advantage for North Carolina. Playing, anyway, at, playing at a neutral site, you think it's a home advantage? I know, yeah, I do because they're in North Carolina, and I understand. But I don't want to get into all that. I want what I want to say is, I am going to disagree with you. Um, on, uh, I'll I'll say North Carolina is going to win the game by maybe one. They're going to kick a field goal probably at, at the end of the game to win. Um, yeah, I. Uh, South Carolina, if if they, but let's just say they let's just say I was wrong. I'll 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 call back after the game and everybody can I'll eat crow. But uh, North Carolina's gonna win that game by you know one maybe three points. All right, man. Hey, thanks for joining us on the program today, man. I hear you on that. There are a lot of folks talking that maybe North Carolina can pull the upset. There's folks talking on College Game Day about that. I I'm just not feeling it because. Senior quarterback, two good guys at running back. Uh, North Carolina's defense is uh, in shambles. I, I'm just not seeing it. But that's why they play the games anyway. We'll know on Saturday night at about 6 o'clock when uh, I go on the air over at uh, News Radio 560 WVOC. More of the rundown in just a moment on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Welcome back to The Rundown. I am Rob Sanders. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. A couple of little things before we get out of here today. Um, Paul Feinbaum is running his mouth again. This time, he's apologizing for what he said about Miami. You know, here's live coverage of that. Yeah, that's kind of what I hear when I see Paul Feinbaum and I hear him talk. Not that I'm like the beauty queen guy, but he really does look like Schmeagle from Lord of the Rings. He called Miami a third world program um, after the attack from, uh, and we talked about it yesterday with the issue with the van, the vans getting in, into it and stuff like that. Um, calling them a third world program. And he called his comments incredibly unfortunate. Look, I'm not the brightest light in the tunnel here. And I'm not the brightest writer in the world. But to use the term incredibly unfortunate is silly. 
I mean, it really, really is. And this is from a guy who, let's be honest, he's just a lightning rod and says the silliest of things. It's really hard to really take anything he says very seriously. I, I mean, he's got his show down in Alabama, and he's he's got a huge lean towards uh, Alabama and Auburn because that's where the heart of his show is, and I understand that. you got to kind of feed the crowd where you are. But when he uses the term incredibly unfortunate, it wasn't incredibly unfortunate for you to say it. Here's the best way to apologize, sir. I would do the best I can to help you out because obviously you don't understand when you do something stupid, you can go back and be man enough to admit, hey, I screwed up. So here's what Paul Feinbaum should have said. I made a comment about the University of Miami's football program. It was actually pretty stupid, and I shouldn't have said it. I have a nice big pulpit up here where I can say lots of things and lots of people will hear it. I'm known as a college football journalist. I've been following college football for years and years and years, and I said something that was basically beneath where I should be looked at. What I mean by that is is that I'm considered to be up here. That was a thing that should been should have been said by, oh, I don't know, a drunken fan standing in the, in the stands at Camp and World Stadium. I'm sorry I said that and I'll do my best to make it better. But he says, "Hey, it was incredibly unfortunate and it was very hurtful to a number of people." Oh, I don't know, like the people that all graduated from Miami and weren't complete idiots in the stands. You know, you had one or two that ran across and acted kind of stupid. And I'm not, I'm not justifying what they did. That's, that's not the way to go. But the reality is, is that you had some idiots act stupid. That doesn't mean that the entire Miami fan base is wrong. You're, you're painting with broad strokes here, sir. And when you start talking about an entire team or an entire fan base, you just kind of look silly. I've said some stuff about the North Carolina teams and the way that they've run their stuff up there, especially with the academic fraud. It's not an indictment on the North Carolina fans. It's not like the average North Carolina fan is sitting here and saying, you know what, let's clap our hands together today and let's let's make, uh, I don't know, fake exams for everybody and Let's make where everybody gets a degree even though they don't deserve it. The average North Carolina fan doesn't do that. We still live in a bubble. What I mean by that is, is that we all think these guys are student athletes. And we want each school, regardless of who you're a fan of, to put out good student athletes. Now, behind the scenes, things may not be completely that way, and I understand that. But to have the mentality of, of Paul Feinbaum where he can just say it's incredibly unfortunate just admit you're an idiot, admit you said something dumb, and then move on. I'd have more respect for you then because I, I don't think this apology is sincere. I think that someone at ESPN told him, hey, you better go and clean that up there, buddy. It didn't come from his heart. When you apologize, it has to be sincere. He's not sincere. Okay? He did come out today, though, and say and named his dark horse for a national title, and he likes Oregon. That's the team that uh, he's got in the mix there to uh, win a national title. I'll tell you what, that's a pretty strong dark horse. Don't really have a problem with that. Oregon, of course, uh, with their, their talented quarterback, they'll have, the, um, they'll have a shot. I think this year is kind of a, um, kind of a put-up-shut-up year for the Pac-12. They need to put somebody in the playoff. 
They put somebody in the playoff that that would definitely bring some validity back to that conference because that they've missed it a good bit. If they put somebody in though, who's going to get left out? Uh-oh. I think for the expansion of college football by the way, I think it's good for good to have a team from the Pac-12. Have a team from the Big 12 and the ACC and the SEC. And even a team from the Big 10, which means we're going to have to expand eventually. But have a rotation of those teams. What happens if one year, though, things slip up and we don't have a team from the SEC? The South may burst in flames. <laughs> Write that down right now. But I think for the expansion of, of college football where people actually care about it, you got to have it got to have it on a national basis where there's fans from Oregon or Stanford or Ohio State or Michigan that actually care about the playoff. Tamman online says the Big Ten will be left out if uh, the Pac-12 gets in. I'm in the camp of the Big 12 and the Pac-12 or the Big the Big Ten and the Pac-12 both may be left out if Notre Dame makes the playoff again. You really could have that really could happen. It's not that far-fetched. Same as last year, basically. But I think one of those teams will make it in, which means that we won't have, and I think Notre Dame will probably make it too, which means we probably won't have but one SEC and one ACC member. Of course, Clemson's light years ahead of everybody in the ACC right now. In the SEC, it's probably going to come down to, I don't know, a book of three, LSU, Alabama, and Georgia. And I still haven't put the world out on on Florida yet. I don't think Florida's in that much. I mean, I think that they can go out and beat some folks. Talking about them being eight and four, like Justin said, that's a reach. We'll see how that goes as the season goes on. But getting jacked up for football season here. Appreciate uh, Justin joining us here on the program. Tomorrow we'll go in depth with some stuff from the Tigers, what they should expect with Georgia Tech. We're going to get a guest on from Georgia Tech to uh, break down what the Yellow Jackets are doing. So we'll talk about that and a lot more tomorrow on the rundown. Uh, Lawton Swan from Clemson Sports Talk is next. He will uh, take you home this afternoon here on uh, Fox Sports Radio. He's got all your Clemson info. Gamecocks like to peek over the fence. Don't lie. You're in the closet there looking out saying, you know what, I kind of like this Lawton guy. I mean, he wears that tiger paw, but... I can I can listen to Lawton. He's all right. He wants to be mayor. I'd vote for Lawton. He's a good guy. Be sure to catch Lawton. He is with you here on Fox Sports Radio 1400 from 4 to 6. My name is Rob Sanders. I'm on Twitter at Rob Sounds Good. If you want to follow me there. Also, podcast will be up this afternoon at about 5 o'clock. But we will have another edition of The Rundown tomorrow here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.